Turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 6 this morning, verses 1 to 4. And as we have been going through the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew here, we uh, have really had one theme that I've really tried to make a point of as we've been going through this Sermon on the Mount in particular, uh, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the, the theme really is righteousness, God's righteousness, or God's righteous standard, we could say. And these three chapters here really is Jesus speaking to his disciples and telling them that true righteousness is not man's righteousness. True righteousness is not man's standard of righteousness. It's God's standard. I've already uh, shared uh, that in the first chapter, in chapter 5, we really divided this chapter up into three parts. The first part was where Jesus taught the Beatitudes, the blesseds, to his disciples there. And he referred to them as, really he talked of them as if these are the characteristics of really what a Christian should be like. If you read through those Beatitudes, this is what a Christian should be, how a Christian should act. But as we went through those Beatitudes, we realized how insufficient we were to be able to do that in our own effort, our own strength. It's only by the work of God in our hearts that we can really be like this and live up to that standard of righteousness. The next section that we saw in chapter 5 was Jesus telling his disciples, he says, you and you alone are the salt of the earth and you and you alone are the light of the world. Our witness, our testimony, another part of our relationship with the Lord. The third section starts in verse 17 where Jesus told his disciples that he didn't come to destroy the law but to fulfill it. In every aspect of Jesus Christ, he fulfilled everything of the Old Testament that the law spoke of and everything that the prophets foretold. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. In verse 20, we read, where Jesus said, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus then followed that statement with six examples that he gave us. These were God's righteous standards. The Those of old said it this way. Jesus says, But I say to you, and he gave six examples there, of his standard of righteousness. And then we finish chapter 5 in verse 48 with a therefore. And whenever you see therefore, it's because of everything that we just read before that. He says, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's one of those words, as I shared, that we don't particularly like. We don't like someone saying to us that we need to be perfect. Because that's a standard that we look at ourselves and go, I'm not there. I can't get there. And that's true. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said. But being perfect 
does not mean without sin. Being perfect does not mean without fault. And I think all of us can attest to that. But it's really speaking about that we should be growing, that we should be maturing as believers, that we we should be striving for God's standard of righteousness. That should be my goal. Not the righteousness of man, but God's standard of righteousness. And so that brings us now to chapter 6 in our Bibles. Look at your Bibles. Chapter 6 has been said by Charles Spurgeon to be the most convicting chapter in the Bible. So I ask you, church, are you ready for chapter 6? The most convicting chapter in the Bible. And as we'll see as we go through here, there are a lot of convicting things. He starts out in verse 1 to 4, that'll be our text this morning, talking about doing your charitable deeds. In verses 5 to 15, Jesus says, when you pray. In verse 16 to 18, Jesus says, when you fast. He also is going to teach in this chapter, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Also that you cannot serve God in riches. And then do not worry about your life. That's a big one, isn't it? But this morning, we're only going to be looking at verses 1 to 4, doing your charitable deeds. And so let's read uh, the verses together. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed... Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. I titled this morning's morning's message, Practicing Your Righteousness Before Men. In chapter 6, Jesus is going to not only teach us But he's also going to warn us what our personal righteousness should be. This is how we should be as Christians and how we should be living. You know, as a Christian, you should be different. You should be different in the eyes of the world. People should see, even in your countenance, when you're around people, they should see that there's something different about you. They should be drawn to you in what they see in you. The way you talk, the things you do, how you act. That is the standard of righteousness that the Lord wants us to live in front of this world. We're followers of Jesus Christ. But as we go through this chapter, in the 18 verses, in the first 18 verses, we're going to see two words. These two words are do not. You see it in verse 1. Do not. In verse 2, do not. Verse 3, 
in verse 7, in verse 8, verse 16 and 18. Do not, Jesus says. But let me ask you parents something that are here this morning. Uh, When you tell your children, do not go into the street, I think that they should understand that pretty clearly. Do not go into the street. But if they come back to you and they say to you as a mom, what do you mean by that? You wouldn't like that. What do you mean, don't go into the street? No, I said don't go into the street. It's a warning. That's what Jesus is doing here in, this, in the context of these verses. He's giving us a warning. Jesus starts this section of his teaching with a Greek word that is proesco. It means this. It means to take heed or to beware of something. It's also translated this way. Be on guard. Give your attention or pay attention or take care. These are all different ways that it is translated. Jesus is saying that we need as believers to beware. We need to take heed. It's a strong warning. It's a strong word. This Greek word, uh, prosecho, uh, means literally to hold before and then to take heed. The word can also mean to be in a state of high alert. That's what Jesus is saying here. But in the context of all of this, what he's saying about being, being beware, it points to our motives. And now, whenever you're talking about motives, we're talking about the heart. We're talking about something that's within you. The motives of our heart is what Jesus is saying, I want you to take heed. When you give offerings, when you give benevolence to this world, when you go out and help the poor, uh, when you, even in our private prayer life, when you're fasting, you know, all of these things, uh, there's motives behind it. There's reasons why we do it. And the, and the problem is, is that sometimes our motives are wrong. And Jesus is warning us as believers to really examine the motives of why we do what we do. Have you ever been in one of those churches where they have silver little offering plates and those offering plates are passed down the aisle, and they're, they're only about that deep. And as you're sitting there next to it, if you've never been there, I, I grew up in the church like that, but if you've got somebody sitting to the left and right of you, and you drop a few coins in that silver plate, and the guy sitting on your left lays a $100 bill on top of your coins, I mean, it makes you feel weird and it makes him kind of, you know, there's all kinds of things that go on in that kind of environment is all I'm saying. Not that the plate is bad. The offering plate's not bad. It's, it, it's the issues of our heart. And that's why we have an offering box that's over there. We, we don't pass a bag. We don't pass an offering plate. We do take an offering at this church because there is this danger really, of the motives of our heart, what people are thinking, and what I put in and what they didn't put in. This word beware, 
that we see here in our text. In a, there's a grammatical term. It's called a present imperative. A present imperative means this about this word beware. It means that we should be continually and habitually following this command. In other words, when Jesus is warning his disciples to beware of this, really this heart attitude, he's saying this needs to be a continual thing, something that you are aware of all the time. We're going to see in these 18 verses that this warning is given in three areas of worship. One of them is in our giving. That's what we're going to look at this morning. The other is in our prayers, in our prayer life. And then the third one is in fasting. Now, all three of these areas that we could call areas of worship before God, God always intended these areas of worship to be directed towards him, not towards others. But where Jesus in context here is is giving this warning, he's talking because there's a danger of us doing them for people instead of God. As the church, I believe, at times when we read, and I've brought this up before, when we read sections like this, knowing that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, knowing that there's a multitude of other people that are out there, we tend to sometimes want to say, well, guy, you know, what was going on with them? And we, we kind of displace ourselves from that and, and don't put ourselves in that place. I want to bring us into this this morning and say, you know what? We all need to be taking heed to what Jesus is saying here. It's very subtle. Uh, the whole thing of, of, of pride, the whole thing of self-gratification that we get out of giving to the poor, giving money to church, doing good deeds for people. There's a type of self-gratification that often is a motive of our heart. It's filling a need within me more than it is really glorifying God. We might call it the sin of legalism for some or for us. We might call it the the sin of pride that's in our heart or the sin of hypocrisy or the sin of asceticism. You know what asceticism is? It's those people that go off and hibernate off in the cave and they they put themselves in this place of a religious setting and they're going to separate themselves from the things of the world so that none of the ugly things of this world can touch me. The problem is they still have a heart and they have a mind and they still have issues of sin even as they're sitting there in that cave. Asceticism. Look at your Bibles at verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Another way that we could say this is Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you already have received your reward. Keep in mind that Jesus is not just speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. Remember I shared that the backdrop to the Sermon on the Mount has the scribes and the Pharisees always in the backdrop. But he's not just speaking. He's not just speaking to his disciples either here. He's speaking really to you and I this morning. 
Why would he say this and why do we need to hear this? Because we have flesh. Do I need to convince anybody of that? We all have flesh. And that flesh that we possess still wants to practice right, uh, righteous acts out of wrong motives. It, it's still, you're, you're, the tendency of your flesh would want to do that. And we have to beware. We have to be on guard. It's been said, we lose the approval of God when we seek the applause of men. Well, I also read by an author by the name of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was speaking about those who practice their righteousness before men. This is what he says. Ultimately, our only reason for pleasing men around us is that we may please ourselves. Our real desire is not to please others as such. We want to please them because we know that if we do, they will think better of us. In other words, we are pleasing ourselves and are merely concerned about self-gratification. That is where the insidious character of sin is seen. We might all be thinking, that's not me. But I want to tell you that because we live in bodies of flesh, the potential for that is there. I um, know that uh, Jesus here in these verses, that he's warning you and I about doing our charitable deeds and giving alms, but it's not just putting money in an offering plate. It's, it's also going out and just doing acts of kindness. It's ministering to people that are uh, in, in, in destitute, or that are in, in poverty, or, or whatever it might be. But it's just going out, and it's doing your righteous deeds before men. That's why I titled that, the message this morning that, Practicing Your Righteousness Before Men. Keep in mind that all of this chapter... Uh, just like chapter 5, is speaking about issues of our heart. It always comes back to that. It comes back to this heart issue again. I shared that God is always most concerned with your heart. Don't ever get that confused that God is most concerned with your outward actions and the things that you do for people. He's most concerned with your heart. And when the heart changes, your actions will follow. Our deeds, our actions, our giving of time, our money, are things that people can see, aren't they? We go out and we do all those things and people see those things. But what they can't see is the motive of your heart. They can see what you've done how you've helped, how you gave, but they really can't see the motive of your heart. You know, integrity, it begins where? In our heart. The motives of our heart, they're all issues of our heart, our motives. Our character is really an issue of our heart. And God is the only one that can see your heart. People can't see it. I can't see it. But God can see our heart. You see, we can 
at times be doing the right things. Going out and doing the right things that that people can see, but we can be doing it with wrong motives. Have you ever found yourself in that place where you started kind of checking your motives of why you really did what you did? And it kind of came back on you because the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. It's kind of like, yeah, that really wasn't the right motive for that. Nobody else saw it, but God sees it. If you come to church, if you come to this church, and you serve with wrong motives, nobody may ever notice or even see it. They might be thanking God you're doing what you're doing. But inside you have wrong motives. We need to be careful. We need to search our own hearts. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 3.17. He says, For whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We need to be careful that whatever we do, that it's all in the name of the Lord. It's all for the glory of God, whatever I do, for the, whether in word or in the things that I say, that I would never rob the glory from God, that I wouldn't take away what is due only to him. Again, we read verse 1, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Here's a caution for us, though. If you're content with getting your reward from man, if you're content with receiving your reward from other people in this life, then you shouldn't expect that God is going to reward you in heaven. Does that make sense? If you want it now, in other words, don't expect that you would get your reward in heaven. In other words, God never pays twice. God doesn't pay people twice. You either receive your reward now because you're getting the gratification from people and the applause from people, or you're content with, Lord, in heaven, that's where I'll receive my reward. You see why this chapter can be a little convicting because it really hits home with the issues of our flesh this word reward it literally refers to to pay to getting paid for something that is due for labor or for something that you've done a work that you have done that's what the reward that the lord we don't know what those rewards will look like but those rewards are coming in heaven But did you notice in the verse there where your reward comes from? Look at your Bibles. It says that your reward comes from your Father in heaven. It doesn't come from man, does it? It comes from your Father who is in heaven. We'll actually see this word Father ten times in these 18 verses. Our Father. He's the one that is the rewarder. He's the one that will give to you that reward on that day. If you understand that what you do in word or in deed is for the glory of your Father, then I believe that it will change our motives and why we do what we do. 
That's important. It's all for his glory. I just want to glorify God with my life and what I do. And when I go out and I help this person and nobody sees it, I'm not concerned with that because I just brought glory to God. That should be our heart. Now, this is the one day that every true believer is going to stand before the Lord. There is coming that day when you will stand before the Lord and God is going to judge you according to your works. Did you know that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Not the great white throne judgment, that's for unbelievers. But believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And God is going to reward you or you're going to lose rewards. Things that we thought we would be rewarded for when they hit the fire and they burn up, God says, that was wrong motives. You didn't do that from the right heart. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, he says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. He's talking about you as an individual. According to the grace of God which was given to me, Paul says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed. Here's this warning again. Take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, listen to how he lists this, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. You you know, I mean, gold is a lot more valuable than straw, isn't it? You notice how they progressively get less and less. He says, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire fire is all that always that purifying effect it 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 will purify the motives of our heart and it says then the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is if anyone's works work which he has built on endures paul says he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. So there is going to be a day when we all will stand before the Lord. And everything that you have done from day one to the very last day is, if I could put it this way, going to be thrown into the fire. And it's going to be tested as to what sort, what motive, why you did what you did. Was it to glorify me or was it to glorify yourself now look at verse 2 Jesus goes on to say therefore when you do a charitable deed do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men assuredly I say to you they have their reward we've all heard this phrase uh, they're just tooting their horn You've heard that. They're just tooting their horn. And it's actually not hard to see when a person's doing that, is it? You can kind of, you can see when a person's kind of just trying to toot their horn. 
trying to make themselves look good by what they're doing or you know what they're saying. You know, they're just tooting their horn. But here's the they the person tooting their horn is probably the person that doesn't see it. They're, we're not sometimes the one that sees it. It's the people that you're tooting your horn to that see it. You see, it's a heart issue. When it comes to these things, it has to do with the motives of our heart. We need to be people that are real. We need to be uh, our intentions of our heart. We need to be aware that we're just flesh. And if somebody wants to come up and praise you for something that you've done for them or helped them, do you put your guard on? <laughs> or is it just real easy for you to just take that on board and go, well, thank you? You know, and, and just take those applauses from people. Jesus says, beware of that. Because if you want to take your reward here and now, you can have it. But you won't get paid twice. We will, you find that your flesh is often content with getting the reward here and now. Have you ever uh, had somebody really say something to you, give you the applause, really thank you, and just really just all over what you just did, and you just sensed inside, you know what, I just kind of took that on myself. I didn't even push it up to the Lord. I just took the glory for that one. And you kind of knew that, you know what, I probably just lost my reward. And sometimes, you know, in our flight, we're thinking, well, okay, I'll take that one now, I guess. Probably won't get it in heaven, but I'll, I'll take it now. There's a, there's a real caution when we do this. And that's what Jesus is doing. And, and it's not just here. When we go to the next section and the next section, he's going to be doing the same thing. He's going to be teaching about prayer. He's going to be teaching about fasting. But in the backdrop of that, he's going to beware of the motives and the intentions of your heart in doing those things. But let me give you another caution. This caution has to do with checking your motives to the point where you wipe yourself out. There have been people that have been into just soul searching, checking their motives that all of a sudden, you know what, they're wiped out before the Lord because they're just second guessing every motive they ever do. Well, I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm not going to do that. I had a guy one time tell me back in California, we were going out witnessing. He came up to me. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to quit going out witnessing right now because he goes, I think I'm doing it from wrong motives. And what I told him is I said, don't stop going out witnessing just repent of your wrong motives and keep going witnessing and you know and if all of us did that with our motive checking right now we're just checking our motives checking our motives we'd all check out of everything this church we wouldn't have anybody serving here we go god nobody's serving so don't resign from your post just if god shows you that your motives are wrong and some just repent just get it right and keep serving keep doing what you're doing Here's a better approach when it comes to motives. David wrote in Psalm 139, verse 23, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. David just said, Lord, search me. That's what we should do. God's Holy Spirit that lives within you is very capable of bringing to light Wrong motives. 
In Jeremiah 17.10, the prophet wrote, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God's the one that searches the heart. I can't see the heart. We don't even know our own hearts. Paul said there's people that were always checking his motives. And he says, I don't even know my own motives at times. And here they are trying to to be the one that is telling me what my motives are. So in other words, let God do the searching. Let him search your heart. And he'll, he'll reveal it to you. Another word that Jesus uses in these three acts of worship is the word hypocrite. We actually see it in verse 2, we see it in verse 5, in verse 16, and we find it nine other times throughout the Gospel of Matthew. The word hypocrite. We might say, don't toot your horn like the hypocrites do. That, that's really what people do at times. They toot their horn, but really they're being hypocritical in doing so. Or don't fake it is really what a hypocrite is. Don't fake it. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. Now, by definition, do you know that a hypocrite, that it's an actor? It's somebody that is playing a part. That's what a hypocrite is. Somebody that's playing a part. People are often fooled by the excellent acting skills of many people in Hollywood, aren't they? They get on the screen. They're actors. They're doing what they do, and they're good at it. And people view this craft of acting on the screen, and they often think that this person is like that in real life. Do you know that you can come across to people in a way that that's not really you? That's hypocritical. That's being a hypocrite. It's even a bigger danger for a lot of our young people that watch actors on TV and they idolize these actors without any concern for who they really are in real life. That's really what a hypocrite is it's an actor. Jesus called the religious leaders of his day hypocrites. These were the religious people, you hypocrites. He told them that you are actors, you are doing performances for people to see. They wore their their dress. Everyone knew when they saw a Pharisee and a scribe, they could see it in their dress, just in their mouth. They knew that they were religious people. They were putting on a show, in a sense, for people to see. But the people really didn't know what was going on inside of them. They just had an appearance of a religious person. We also can come to church. We can come to this place and be all looking like we're ready for church have a big smile on our face and just come into this place like everything's good. You know, and, and in a sense, we come in as actors. 
We're not, we're not really being real people. And I, and I desire for our church to be real with one another. Hey, I've had a bad week. It's okay. You know, I, I don't need to play the part. And what's sad is that churches, I believe, every single Sunday, they're full of actors. I'm not making a blanket statement. Uh, but there are churches, and I think we all know, they're full of actors. And, you know, they're just playing the role as a Christian. And that's not how God wants us to be. Jesus, I believe, hates hypocrisy. We should be sincere as Christians. We shouldn't be fake people. We should be sincere. Uh, we shouldn't be playing the part. In 1 Peter 1.22, Peter wrote, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Do you see that? Sincere love, a pure heart. In 1 Timothy 1.5, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and from a good conscience and from sincere faith. Colossians 3.22, Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. 1 Corinthians 5.8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You see, all the way through, you find it's all the way, the sincerity of heart, a pure heart, an undivided heart. That's the way the Lord wants us to be, not hypocrites. Jesus says, again, let's read verse 2, Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be, have glory from men, assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. And now look at verse 3 and 4. But when you do, your, do a charitable deed, or as the authorized King James Bible reads, uh, when you do alms, now, alms are doing, uh, giving to the poor, helping those that are destitute, helping those that are in need. When you do your charitable deed, I like when you do your righteous acts, your righteous deeds in front of people, I think is what Jesus is warning us of here. He says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing the left and the right, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Note that whenever you see a word but, when you see a but in scripture, it's good to stop. When you see a but, stop and take notice. Jesus says, but when you do your charitable deeds. In other words, sit and contemplate. When you do your charitable deeds, when you do your righteous acts to others, sit and contemplate really your purpose 
I see some of you laughing up there over my comment on the butts. (laughs) I thought that might happen. But (laughs) notice that Jesus is not commanding the disciples to do charitable deeds, but says, when you do a charitable deed, that's not the command here. He's not commanding his disciples to go out and do charitable deeds, but he's assuming that they are doing charitable deeds. And so he's saying, and when you do a charitable deed, there's where the warning comes in. In other words, don't let yourself see what your right hand or your left hand is doing. In other words, we shouldn't be people that are trying to put it out there so that people can see what we've just done, what we've just given, the time we committed, the person that we helped, all of these things so that people can see. And really what it's doing is just meeting a need within myself. And God says, I won't reward you for that. We need to deny our flesh the temptation of patting ourselves on the back. Has anyone ever just really come up to you and just really thanked you for just all your help and how you helped them and what you gave to them? And you just left it at that. And in a sense, you just gave yourself a pat on the back. Or were you quick to say, you know what, praise God. You know what, this is not, the Lord just, this is from the Lord. This is not me. You know what I mean? And, and how quick do we let that roll off our back and just give the glory to God? Or do we pat ourselves on the back? You see why this is the most convicting chapter? I think it might be. I, I had to go through it too. Refrain from telling others about what you just did, what you just gave. You know, I've had, I've had people tell me, you know what, I don't, I don't have the time to really serve in the church, but I make a lot of money and I give big. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you know. But sometimes people just want to let you know. I don't need to know. One person has said, don't let your right hand shake your left hand in congratulation. Don't let your right hand know from your left hand what it just did. Just move on. Who'd you do it for? One last note. We can always hide it. Can we? Can we really hide it? Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, that doesn't seem like we're hiding it. It, it looks like we're, we're called to uh, put out our good works in front of people. But the context here, what Jesus is saying, is when we do these good works in front of people, and we're just living as Christians as light and salt and just being out there in front of people, people will take notice. And, the, and people will actually go, you know what? There's got to be something about this God. I know he's a Christian. I know she's a Christian. And there's got to be something to this. They're different. 
And it actually brings glory to God when they see the things that you do and how you handle yourself and who you are in this world. And so it's not an issue of hiding all these things all the time. That's not the point. It's how quick are we to get these things off so that I would never rob the glory from God. It's not for me, it's all for him. But those times that people see the things that we do for others. Uh, To avoid the temptation, we should be quick just to simply move on. Just give God the glory and move on. In other words, push it away quickly. Don't don't hold on to it. Don't, Don't take the glory of it. Don't let people praise you above God. Sometimes people are going to thank you for something. No problem with that. You didn't necessarily rob the glory from God because they just thank you for helping them. But you're quick just to bring it and push it up to God. You know, the Lord just told me to do that. You know, just give the glory to the Lord. Push it up to him quickly. Andrew Bonner said it this way, the best part of all Christian work is that part which only God sees which only God sees. That's the best part. I'm not concerned whether or not everyone saw what I gave, what I did, how I did. You know, I'm not I'm concerned. The best part is what God sees. <coughs> and God will reward you for that openly someday. Next week, we're going to get into the next part of Jesus' teaching And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Another uh, another section. He's not only going to give some, we're going to learn some good instruction on prayer, practical things about prayer, but there's this backdrop, even for this issue of prayer, that there are people that want to do it so that people can see. They want to pray certain ways so that people will be, uh, you know, enamored with their prayers. And the Lord says, I don't like that. Be real. Be real Christians. We can be real with one another here. That's my desire for our church.